Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So I'm today with Marjorie and we are going to talk about following topic, how startups can benefit from closing the venture capital or angel investor diversity gap. But before we get started into our topic, Marjorie, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Happy to. Thank you for having me. Um, presently, I'm a board member, investor, and consultant to mostly early stage companies. I've been investing actively for more than five years through Launchpad Venture Group, which is the largest angel investment group in the Northeast U.S. and um, the third largest um, group in the entire U.S. We focus primarily on high tech and life science. I'm also a member of Branch Venture Group, a U.S.-based angel network which invests exclusively in food-related startups. Prior to this, after graduating from my MBA school, I went to Silicon Valley. My, my role was expanding markets globally for a number of software companies in Silicon Valley. While in Silicon Valley, a tiny company from Boston um, reached out to me, which wanted to scale internationally, knew I was doing this in Silicon Valley, and asked me to join their board. 
Um, and within six months of being on the board, I was asked to join the organization um, to be part of it. So I took a big cut and pay from Silicon Valley, took a good equity position and joined the company um, in food diagnostics, which is called Bicam. And the mission of this company was to increase the safety of the global food supply. And I applied much of the same principles in distributing software, which I did in Silicon Valley, um, worldwide to growing Vicam as well. Um, and I took the company from one country to over 100 um, company countries. Because Vicam was funded by angel investors, I knew I needed to plan for an exit in the form of a sale to a bigger company or a private equity firm. The exit needed to be successful for all stakeholders, including employees, customers, and investors. I pulled the exit team together and led an investment banking effort um, effort that received five offers at the end of the day. We selected the best offer for our customers, employees, and investors. It came from Waters Corporation. They had a core business and several fairly autonomous business units, um, which Vicam became one of them. Hmm. Sounds really fascinating, interesting, and it's uh, not a very typical, uh, let's say, startup when you think of it. It's a very niche business. Yes, that's right, it is. Yeah. So um, as we were going to talk about diversity and how it ac actually affects not only startups, but as well, of course, venture capital, and let's say those who are willing to invest, the angel investors who have more beneficial ideas and so on, rather than those who are just in to get a maximum profit and then have no relationship with it like compared to what you, for instance, did where you actually go in the board and eventually become one of them. Um, how do you see actually the, the challenges that people have when their conflict with diversity and other kind of items in life and business? I think it's really um, just a matter of having um, an open mind and realizing the benefits of diversity. If I look to um, the angel groups I'm in and the portfolio of companies that I'm in, um, the diverse companies um, do extremely well. So it's a matter of not shutting, having the mentality to not shut oneself out of all the opportunities um, available to one. And as many people know, and there's been McKinsey's study on this, diverse companies um, and all different types of diversities just do better overall. I think what's also happening, which is really important, is that um, angel investor networks are and groups have now about 25% women. I don't know that that's the same in Europe. I can say that is about what it is in the US. Uh, VCs are a bit less, but as more, there's more and more women in these groups and many and also um, people of color in, in the groups as well that's going to increase the amount of um, investment just because entrepreneurs will see that there's an openness in the group and they'll be much more comfortable presenting um, if they see people that look like them that are actually investors. Yeah, that makes actually quite, uh, makes a lot of sense because when you think, even if you say in Europe, uh, there are plenty people that maybe look alike to a certain degree, But um, the cultural background is different. Let's say if you compare, for instance, people who have grown up in Poland compared to people in Germany or in Netherlands, countries beside each other, different language, similar similarities between the, the Dutch and the Germans, but still 
is a difference, and even side of Germany that differences. And the same would be the UK, Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, all different cultures, different attitudes, and yeah, different ways of speaking, different ways of looking at things. And yeah, if you at least have a, a feeling that the other one opposite is maybe understands you or you believe they understand your your ideas, your values, and maybe your mission. It's a good thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 when you when you look at these things with diversity, how how can really startups benefit from it um, when they're trying to to get the funding? Because that's usually you have like the the seed funding and and then round A and so on, and uh, usually that's the most challenging for them to get the pitching and all the other things. Absolutely, it is. Um, I think for um, all types of entrepreneurs of all different backgrounds. But here's, um, I have about eight specific tips on this. And I think you were, it really pays to do one's research. And there, I know there's the Angel Capital Association in the US, and you probably know of an association also with angels in Europe too. Um, but look for um, different angel groups in your particular area and do the research in terms of where they invest geographically or don't they have a geographical bent. For example, Branch Venture Group that I'm in, which invests in food and food tech, has a broad um, look at, but that has to be a food or food tech company, whereas Launchpad Venture Group is solely um, companies in the Northeast ecosystem. Also, um, reach out um, and do your research on LinkedIn and link to angels. They may not be able to help you specifically, or maybe they can and invest in your area. Um, but um, reach out and they'll have some specific ideas. Um, additionally, what one should do is look, there's a lot of accelerators out there and you can really gain a lot of um, connections um, with those accelerators. Mass Challenge is a good one, which is all over. Um, and as far as the um, business itself, this is what one needs to look at. Um, really look at showing some traction. Um, I think most investors are not going to invest unless there's a proof of concept. And so it's important to have some um, traction in regard to that. Really, and then really know one's numbers. Put together a five-year PL. It doesn't have to be super detailed, but just the broad strokes of revenue, expenses, bottom line, and realize that investors are not going to look for, usually over the first two years, a, a profitability on those first two years, but they'll be looking for more, um, obviously, revenues and profitability later on. Um, and make sure you have a solid team. And it's important to have a, a balance of technical wizardry and high-level business know-how. Um, and there needs to be a coachability um, component, too, of the CEO. Um, there's uh, an, an openness to listening to feedback. Feedback always doesn't have to be taken totally and done exactly so, but listen and see what may be appropriate. Um, the other thing um, is realistic valuations. Um, and it's important investors want to invest for a return. And we can only invest in return if there's a realistic valuation to start with. Um, and then show potential exits of other similar companies out there so the investor can see in their head 
what's what's going to happen in the future and the profit possibility for um, exit that has been done in a similar space. And this may sound um, just intuitive, but just it does have to be stated. And most entrepreneurs are very respectful, but it's important that um, one uh, shows respect uh, throughout the process, whether that be an investor or entrepreneur. Absolutely. And, and when you think, as you mentioned before, of course, realistic valuation and the different kind of situations, um, at least what I experienced as well, some businesses, you have practically a complete new business that you start up and some situations, maybe you have the opportunity to take over an existing company and it's maybe there already for 10, 20 years. And then it's like an investment. It's not startup, but if you go and redefine it, restructure it, you can turn it into a startup. It's just like taking out the best parts, putting them newly in, getting new team to management team and everything and re rebuilding it. But nevertheless, at the end, as you say, it has to have proper realistic uh, return of investment um, because, of course, you're spending money and you want to somehow get it back with at least an acceptable benefit better than putting it on the on a bank account no absolutely mm. and with that i think there's a lot of um interest what's changed over the last few years as there's been um always there were strategic investors and typically angels would invest and there'd be a strategic investor sometimes same with vcs that invest but right now um over right now and i'd say for the last three or so years private equity there's been exits in terms of private equity firm where um the the private equity firm buys either all or part of the business and tries to scale it even more. But this way, um, investors can get um, liquefied if they want their whole holdings or even part of their holdings and keep some of them in there. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. I see it from things that I'm as well involved with. similar where we try to, we've targeted one or two or three companies and we're trying to acquire them and then improve them. Uh, refurbish them as you could say it's like right. buying a building and you chuck out all the old furniture put a new you put yeah. tear down some walls put some new rooms new things and so on improve the equipment and everything and and sometimes as well the mindset and uh maybe as well even getting it as far that it actually flies higher than it used to do before and be more more successful by giving it the extra money it needs to be stronger and better because there's already a, a, a let's say a, a stock a ground stock that's already good but if you don't update it refresh it it can't go higher can't fly higher like a plane if you haven't got the right fuel in it it just can't fly further and higher yeah and, and that's the thing as you say um look at the diversity diversity is different can be from color gender other kind of diversities and that um where you think as well what can you really improve and yeah and w once they've got the money then of course uh, maybe there's a different kind of way to improving the relationship with the investors benefiting maybe even from the relationship with the angel investor what's your experience in there how, how can an angel investor in such a diverse let's say situation, can help them even better to thrive. 
Um, I think the um, angel investor, whether it's, I think, always encouraging that there be um, some diversity, because in terms of performance, that's one thing that can happen. Also, what often happens in companies um, is there is a need for board membership. For example, I've been on the board. I was um, working with a, a particular company, and there was a need for both one to have the talents, but also to have diversity on the board. That happens um, quite a bit. Um, but it's, it's looking at it, really having it from the start, because a company that starts by being diverse ends up continuing that way and vice versa. So just encouraging um, that both that particular diversity, but also with that, bring in all the right skill sets so um, the businesses will thrive. Yeah, and skill set is so important nowadays because it's not about equipment, it's about uh, heads and attitudes, knowledge and talent. That's right. That's right. And I also think what's what's happening is there's just so many more um, and there there will be more in the future. Very, very successful um, entrepreneurs of all different backgrounds. One of the companies um, that I am actually a board advisor on, it's called Food Space. It's a black entrepreneur. His name um, is Ayo Ashkanaki. And he um started this company um, with the mission that there should be more transparency um, in terms of when you order online and with the global pandemic, we're all ordering much more online um, and there's more transparency that needs to happen. But he has assembled quite a diverse team and he very quickly moved from angel investment. Now it's VC investment also. He also won the, the prize for salesforce.com in terms of the um, top entrepreneur who's who's black and i believe it was just confined to the u.s population but there's more and more examples of that um another woman and a company that i invested in it's called torgen um and what she is doing is totally transforming the way we care for our pets um if they happen to develop cancer so if a pet developed cancer typically there'd be radiation and chemo same as in uh, in the human population But what she did is she had a developed a particular way to have a, a shot that would be delivered to them that would be a personalized immunotherapy. So they wouldn't need to go through chemo or radiation, but could have three shots instead that would be um, would reduce and many times eliminate the cancer and the dogs would live and have lived many more months and years because of that. But but she developed she is just an amazing woman. Um, and she also was noted in Forbes 30 under 30 for science. Oh, yeah, so then she's actually developing, let's say, a more uh, specialized or, or focused service for the pet instead of doing like everybody the same thing or whatever. It's like like when you go to a doctor, he looks at instead of just saying, "Okay, you've got this and this," he he actually takes time and thinks, "Well, you he can't give you this medicine because you're allergic to it." And if we treat uh, pets just like Every every pet the same. It would be just giving the same kind of stuff to to a pet that's allergic to that stuff instead of she is actually trying to customize it really to the needs of that pet. 
Ab- absolutely. She certainly is. And you're, exactly for, for each individual one, it's, it's more significant. It's less expensive. Also, um, another company that I'm working with that has um, a, he has a, his name is Ed Golich and he runs QSM diagnostics and I'm actually on the board there too. And what they do is, and I don't know about this in Europe, but in the U S um, one often, if there is an ear infection in a pet who happens to go swimming a lot, it's the summer, um, and it develops pseudomonas, you need to go to the vet, get a swab, have it sent to a laboratory. So the, it, takes quite a while to get that um, the information back. But what he's done is create rapid diagnostics. So you go to the vet's office, there's a swab taken, a rapid diagnostic is put is used, and there's an answer and you walk out with your medicine. Less expensive um, for the consumer, easier for the vet, uh, overall um, a better solution. And he also, in terms of diversity, has a very diverse team. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because when you think even in a typical medicine approach uh, that's usually taught in universities, it's not always the same as um, other kind of medicine stuff. Or let's look, for instance, even at Chinese medicine or other kind of medicines where where they actually take your pulse and so on and know by certain things that you obviously have this and this problem. And you think, I didn't tell them. But I, I know that I've got this problem, but... How did it find out? Just by feeling my pulse, I think, okay. <laughs> and there's some other things where they look at your eyes and they can notice, okay, you have this and this problem. I think, how does it know it? But this is right. And the same thing with all these things as well. There's so many things that nowadays we don't really know. And then we're looking and suddenly something, hey, how do they manage to do that? There's so much that can is untapped knowledge because, for instance, when you look at history, um, The Egyptians, for instance, they had lots of stuff. They even did complex uh, operations and so on. And then the Middle Ages, so much knowledge was gone. And then it had to be re-found again. And, and it's huge. And uh, as you say, for, for, for animals using certain kind of treatments and diagnostics, there's so much an opportunity there that we can do so that the animals as well have less pain and we treat them instead of just straight away putting them down and giving them a chance because they maybe as well want to continue to live and enjoy life. And it's not just us. Absolutely. That, that's right. And um, also there's a lot of application later on for so the, some of those same developments in veterinary medicine to reach human um, clinical as well, whether it be on the diagnostic or therapeutic level. That's great. So, um, As you've shown as well from the explanations that these different companies where you're, for instance, involved there, they're not only just diverse by what they're doing, but as well by those who are leading them, those who are participating in a startup. And uh, yeah, it's actually quite, quite an interesting area to be in. Yeah, it is very interesting. And there's just so much... Um, And, you know, through these, the angel groups that I've been in and through the whole ecosystem, I've seen thousands of presentations. It's just a very exciting environment out there um, for angels, for entrepreneurs, very dynamic. And it's very, and there's a lot of things that cross a lot of um, boundaries, whether that be distribution of the product, licensing of technologies, collaborations as well. 
Exactly, and all these services, they, they won't have any borders. And when you think of it, even a diverse team that has uh, people of all different origins, genders, and so on, and, and nationalities and so on, when they once they want to leave the country and and conquer new new markets, it is, it'll be much easier than for them than others who just know their vicinity and don't understand that other people think differently. It'll be much easier for those who are diverse to actually go even across the pond and uh, gain large proportions, especially when you think of it, areas like Europe, where you've got so many smaller countries and every country is diverse by language, by currency, by traditions, and so on. Much more diverse than we, for instance, would see in the US, where you compare can compare New York with with Texas and California. There's a certain diversity there already, but it's not as much as in Europe or, or take Asia. A huge differences. No, absolutely. You're, you're right about that. And I think what, what's happening, even though we may be able not to be on planes as much as we used to be, the actual collaborations are increasing in terms of this pandemic because people are working um, a lot of times from home or in a hybrid type of environment. And really, I see the opening up. Of, I mean, I'm part of, um, I'm lucky to have a conversation of you with you in Europe. Um, I'm also part of a network in Europe, um, which is called Manatee Mentors, which matches up mentors with either um, companies, individuals, both in terms of entrepreneurship, but many, many other areas. There's called One Valley in Silicon Valley, um, which is covers the whole world. And I've spoken to many, you talked at the beginning about India, um, how there is a, so much such a rich startup ecosystem but i see that the world is really opening up and there's an awful lot of collaborations um going on and there's a real need for that um in the world there was some before but i even think with this it's counterintuitive but with the pandemic it's it was even more so yeah and, and when think of it before uh, we used to have like 10 years ago so we had the traditional outsourcing model you would outsource to india you'd have the programmers and so on and before that you had all the people who entered all the data from the yellow pages and so on into databases which was just manual labor but they were not using actually the potential um of people and you think it, it's, it's just crazy because the universities in india who put out thousands and thousands of fantastic IT people, programmers, engineers, mathematicians, and so on, who are really powerful in what they're doing. And even in areas in business and culture and art and so on, there's a lot of there available. And once they're leaving the countries, they actually notice, hey, I can use my talent and there's more opportunities. I don't maybe have certain kind of limitations because of local culture. Um, but then you see there's huge stuff. And I, I, I was just recently looking at, at a startup who are in, um, we call it 5G technology and so on. And they are connecting, they're bringing 5G in an affordable way to rural areas in India. But the thing is, they are already connecting and doing business together, partnerships with large companies in US and in Europe, which usually wouldn't even make the effort to talk to such small startups in a place like India. And that's a huge potential for them because they have great technology and, and Europeans and USA, oh, 
great because we have problems in other areas where it's just not affordable to set up an expensive system for $1 million just to cover an area where there are 20 cows. It's no point. But the Indians know how to do it so that even if there's one farmer in the place and this is 25 cows, it's still affordable because in summer everybody goes there and is camping there and everybody suddenly needs 5G. Wow, you can get generate revenue. Um, and there are other areas as well, like food and so on. There's so much stuff happening. Or just look, for instance, at Spotify. Spotify is based in Sweden, and they have programmers from everywhere. They've got American programmers. Right. They've got Swedish, Finnish, Dutch, Norwegian, Germans, all different nations. And they're quite successful in what they're doing. It's They're doing music, podcast areas. It's quite a diverse thing and when you look at for instance the programmers who are sharing stuff on, on Twitter and so on you actually see they're obviously getting quite well along with each other and enjoying their work and living as well maybe in other countries and that's a huge potential when you look even at smaller startups and thinking okay but maybe somebody from Europe some people from Europe, some people from Asia from the Middle East, USA, Canada Mexico and so on. People are living in the same place and people are living maybe abroad and working from distance and that. Hmm. So uh, when you look at that, uh, do you actually think there's something that uh, startups beside your eight suggestions that you gave that they should look towards as well when they're wanting to find the right match of... Um, investors, capital, and so on? Again, I think the, it's best to really look at the angel um, associations. And mm -hmm. actually, you know, some angel associations, just because um, an angel group is located in the U.S. doesn't mean they don't invest in India or, or Germany or Switzerland. It's not. It's really specific areas. It pays to do um, one's homework in terms of really trying to identify both the angel groups and the venture capital groups that um, invest in your particular area, whether that be a geographical area or a functional area. Um, and that, that way, and then LinkedIn is just a wonderful tool to, to reached out to. I know people reach out to me all the time on LinkedIn for, um, as I mentioned before, various suggestions or specifically to the groups that I'm part of. There's just so much out there and so many, I think what's important for entrepreneurs to understand um, um, and all entrepreneurs, diverse entrepreneurs, um, um, white men, others, you know, it's, it's just that, that Investors are really looking for terrific investments. That's and there is they don't want to miss out on a really um, interesting investment that they could really change the world, have an impact, get a, a sizable return on. It's just as important. There's just as don't feel that you're out there just looking, fighting the fight and trying to get investment in. Investors are doing the same thing. They're trying to locate those terrific companies. Yeah, exactly. And as well, of course, locating as well the things that they actually understand about. It would be like, for instance, uh, deciding to invest in, in, let's say, rocket science when you have don't actually understand the whole stuff and you think, 
I just still can't understand it. Or like, for instance, medical stuff, and you think, oh, when I think of medical, I, I faint, then I won't be handling medical because, but if I'm interested in automotive, aviation, and so on, then I'll be maybe an investor who's willing to invest in somebody who wants to in invent the next flying car <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or the next submarine can who can uh, dig a hole downwards towards uh, the other part of the world or whatever, or shortcut or flying around. There's so much stuff happening and so many ideas and people in inventing tools, inventing medicine and software and all that kind of things and services and so on. It's a huge, huge variety. Um, it's been great having you here on the show, Marjorie. How can people actually get in contact with you if they want to have a conversation with you or, or where can they get more insights, more information? Okay. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Marjorie Radlozandi. Just look me up and uh, connect with me. Send me a short note and connect with me. Also, if you'd like to see some of the companies that I invested in, a little bit more about my background, it's um, my company name is Jazzaz, J A Z Z A S dot com. And the two groups, again, that I am part of are this Launchpad Venture Group and Branch Venture Group as well. Great. Thank you for having me. This has been fun and a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contacts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com. That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAP. Barge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa 
Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel. Yes, that is C-A-P, Barge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel.